Hello, everybody, and welcome to ADP Chasing. It is July 4th weekend, and Underdog has blessed us with a new tournament format that we will be breaking down as long, uh, in addition to the normal risers and fallers on ADP Chasing. Let's go. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> This is what? This is what? I'm hot. Anita H- Handjob. Fix your sight. Jamar. <laughs> Alpha play chase. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Can I use Tony? You can't handle the heat. It looks like we're finally at this point. You're right. <laughs> oh. Hey, everybody. Happy uh, July 4th weekend. We're, we're here today with... Davis and Pete. Um, I think I guess Pete uh, Pat's too uh, too rich to join us on July Fourth weekend, so we got Pete here instead. Um, man of the people, Pete. How are you doing? Welcome back to ADP Chasing. Yeah, thank you. No, yeah, I mean it's kind of all, all of us normal Americans have to work on July third. It's not mm-hmm. all of us just getting the entire week off. Who knows which you know major cosmopolitan city Pat is around the globe? It could be Stockholm. It could be Milan. <laughs> Who knows? But the rest of us are ready to roll up our sleeves and help the people win this new contest. That's the that's the goal. I mean, Pat's definitely eating a pastry on a beach somewhere. You know, he doesn't he doesn't have time to get his hands dirty. With the rest of us he's not even worried about weekly winners he's like well what i'm gonna win twenty thousand dollars per week that doesn't that doesn't move the needle for old mr Corain. no what is the, the entry size is like fifteen dollars to pat doesn't even recognize denominations below like a thousand so um he's he's not even thinking about it the only thing is he did poke holes in that logic by max entering the puppy with slow traps. <laughs> so he's like a weird combination of millionaire and just truly broken brain uh syndrome there <laughs> he was just doing it to test the rankings let's be honest you know he's just really trying to deliver value for legendary upside subscribers yeah so i'm curious have uh davis and i were talking before the show pete but we we are going to be new uh to this weekly winners uh, this will be our first draft for both of us how have you been diving into that at all um Yes, I have my toes dipped in. This is, uh, you know, I'll just put all my transparent cards on the table. I did my first fast draft last night and I've entered about 10 slow drafts. And I will be honest, I've been thinking about the contest though all weekend. Um, It's been, it's like snuck its way into my brain as a very fun puzzle. Kind of like when we first started getting these best ball mania tournament structures and really trying to think through this and the weekly winners one, I think is so interesting. There's already so many ideas and stuff stuff out there and so many justifiable ways I think to attack it so yeah I'm excited to uh to talk about it and it seems like just the chatter I'm seeing that everyone is really enjoying this new format I do I I saw a couple things uh the first is I didn't draft a best ball mania team at all for eight days which is like the longest that I've gone uh I did two this morning I'm going to be doing two every day this week to get caught up uh the other thing though is the weekly winners issue is is really sort of that classic this is like a DFS thing that people have had to deal with for a long time, which is you care about grinding smaller amounts of expected value, but higher levels of realization of that value. Or do you place all your efforts and all your thoughts on the very high expected value, but the very low realization value of the million dollar tournaments and where I've landed is I prefer the higher expected value, lower realization, but you know, obviously that's going to differ a lot based on your, goals and what you're trying to do in gambling for sure yeah that makes sense and the 
Yeah, I think with the weekly winners too, I I, I think I'm going to come around to it more, but I think I always have this reaction to new tournaments where I'm just like, you get so comfortable with best ball mania and what you're used to and like what you think, at least I have no idea if what I'm doing is actually optimal in, in regular best ball, but at least I like think it is and I have confidence in it so I can fire a draft. I, I know what my strategy is going to be. And then when there are these new tournaments that come out, there's this like initial reaction of like, oh, I don't want to like have to learn something new, but it always like, totally. I, it, comes around, it comes around over time. Um, I think it's really interesting. Like the playoff best ball, I think I originally kind of felt that way about it. And then I just got completely addicted to, to that format. So I think I'm going to come around to this, this weekly winners uh, thing once I start doing a couple of drafts, but man, the, uh, the amount of different strategies that, that I've seen out there and the different ways to play it. Uh, I, I think, why don't we do this? Let's, let's quickly hit on the, the risers and followers this week. Aren't that, um plentiful to be honest this, this is the dead first. times this yeah. is the real dead times like nothing's happening no one's getting signed like we don't have hopkins signed we don't have cook signed we don't have training camp injuries like yeah. we got we got nothing we got we got uh every four days someone from the broncos organization iterates that tim patrick is the the second coming of jesus christ uh he's he's jerry rice and randy moss and one guy and that's that's really about it yeah so let's let's yeah let's like hit on a couple of these of these guys quickly and then I want to pivot to to the weekly winner strategy talk. Um, but let's talk the two guys I want to talk here. A, a lot of this movement is like just very small movement in the early running back ADP. Um, I think this is maybe like a Tyreek Hill effect of some kind where like McCaffrey and Eckler are getting a tiny bump. I'm I think. Not- a little bit Tyreek. I think it's also a little bit people. Uh, I think it's a Brees Hall thing too, where people are yeah. less comfortable having him as the anchor RB, and then you just smash wide receiver rounds two, three, four, and five. I, I think those are the corresponding things. Yeah, the thing the thing I've noticed with these, like, so a lot of times the way we do these charts, uh, the change in ADP, we do it based on a percentage basis. That's how these players are ordered. So that's why McCaffrey is number one here, even though he moved less than a spot in ADP. I've noticed these things like are weird week to week where McCaffrey will jump 0.7 spots one week and then drop 0.7 spots the next week. And like, I think sometimes there's just almost like no rhyme or reason to it. Like maybe it's when a puppy is available, people like wide receivers more and they take McCaffrey later when a puppy's not available. I don't know. There's just like random shit going on. Anyways, let's talk like some news-based stuff that's happening. Um, I want to start with the Tim Patrick thing, which you alluded to Davis. Um, he is being hyped up by by denver beat reporters i think they're you know some beat reporter i forget who said you know inside the organization they think he's the best wide receiver the broncos have or something like that um i think with patrick the thing is he has paid a lot of money uh he had an early season acl tear last year so the health should be good enough for him to start the year and he has a history of being a decent you know okay producer sort of 700 yards per year six touchdowns type guy so um i do get sort of the rise in ADP. What, what I'm interested in, Pete, is do you think this means there's some some risk in Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy's ADP if, you know, Tim Patrick's around taking snaps, they drafted Marvin Mims in the second round. Um, Sutton and Judy are pretty high premium picks still. Uh, are, are you fearful at all for those guys with these other pieces around in Denver? I mean, I've been pretty spooked on Sutton recently, and I took my foot off the gas because I was kind of shrugging my shoulder in drafting him in that range, you know, after kind of that wide receiver cliff happens. That range is so bad. It really is. And I think 
it, I think there's probably multiple factors contributing to the Tim Patrick. One, he's just a player that the community tends to like. He's been good. He, you know, last year he got screamed up draft boards before he got injured and stuff. So I think there's just in general positive sentiment. And then I think people like the Broncos as like a bounce back um, this year. And then people say, hey, I might get a cheap double stack with Tim Patrick, or maybe I binked the trade, Sutton gets traded, and all of a sudden I'm getting, what, six rounds of closing line value when Tim Patrick moves up to like round 13 if Sutton gets traded. Um, although mm. that trade might not happen until in season, most likely. I mean, I, so I, think that that's a zero, I think that's a zero-sum game. I think Sutton or Patrick produces one winner. It, I think it's impossible for it to produce two, basically. Basically, I don't think there'll be enough enough yards, enough touchdowns, enough red zone possessions. Like either Sutton is just so dust that Patrick basically unseats him or Sutton just plays. And Tim Patrick is the guy he's always been, which is like a rotational third or fourth wide receiver. Um, yeah. You know, and, and also I kind of think Dulcich and Patrick is a zero sum game too. Although like, you know, the barriers of production at tight end are lower. I just like, in my mind, the Denver break, the the Denver re breakout, the Denver you know the the team we thought we were getting last year shows up this year. It's not forty five hundred passing yards, thirty three passing touchdowns. It's just they turn into a competent NFL offense with with the way Sean Payton is going to call it. But I I push back on the Dolchich one thing because Dolchich can be on the field with. Sure those guys whereas like one of tim patrick or Cortland sutton like is not going to be on the field in three wide receiver sets with judy and mims most likely you know yeah not by the end of the year i mean you need a judy injury i think is like the only way you you get that right um yeah sutton sutton for me is like i i think i had the same thought as you pete when i looked at drafts you know a couple months ago or whatever however long it's been ago since we started doing this i was like oh sutton looks like the end of the wide receivers um, and he's an okay pick in that range. Now I'm pretty, I'm like full, full fading Sutton. Cause one, I don't know, like he did have a good start to his career, but it's been a couple years now after that ACL tear where he has just not returned to the the same guy he was. And you can blame quarterback play if you want. It has it obviously hasn't been great with Russ there, with Drew Locke there, Teddy Bridgewater there. It hasn't been great, but man, I think some of the early season uh, efficiency and athleticism he had might just be gone even though he's still like relatively young, I just think he, he never really fully recovered from that, that ACL tear. And yeah, you add in the playing time concerns with him. I just think it's like, if we're saying there's a wide receiver dead zone this year, I think he uh, kind of epitomizes it in a lot of ways where I'd much rather take a stab on, on Bateman or Zay Flowers. I feel a lot better about the talent there. Both those guys, I think have a much better chance of being their team's wide receiver one than Cortland Sutton does. I'd much rather take, uh, a couple running backs in that range. Well, yeah, you, you get well. on the clock, you get on the clock in the ninth round, you have two or three wide receivers and your choices are Tim Patrick, Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster and Alan Lazard. It's just like, it is, <laughs> there's no worse position to be in. It's, it's so horrific. I mean, that's yeah. why I think that's why I have so much Anthony Richardson is I just get to that spot in drafts and I'm like, you know what? I like Rasheed Rice or Sky Moore or, or, you know, I don't, whoever run yeah. no more the same as I like these guys. So I might as well just get a quarterback who can runs a little bit here. I'm, I'm surprised Anthony Richardson isn't on this chart. Just anecdotally for my drafts, I've been getting my Anthony Richardson exposure now. He's Easy falling. and I just got him at pick 118. I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see him on this chart um, next week. Yeah. It's interesting on, on the fall because he's been like very steadily falling, but it's never been like a big fall. So he's never popped on the charts. But yeah, if we did something like, 
you know, versus a month ago, he would certainly show up as one of the bigger followers. He, he got up to like pick 84. And that was like the, the peak of like the, the Anthony Richardson uh, hype cycle. I think like Spags was saying you got to take him in like the, the fifth round or something crazy. Um, and then he's just steadily fallen since then, um, which is which is interesting. I, I, I'm with you, Davis. Like I have so much Daniel Jones because of that reason. I have so much Anthony Richardson because of that reason. I, I get to pick like 100. And I, I like the running backs in that range. But like, yeah, I'm with you. I'd rather I'd rather take a stab on like Nico Collins, like cost adjusted, like Nico Collins. Jacoby Myers are just so much better bets than like Cortland Sutton and Juju that I'm just like, I'm just, I'm pausing a wide receiver here. Even if I need one, honestly, like I'm just pressing pause. I just make them, I just make them eight wide receiver teams instead. I just, at at that point, I'm like, I'll just, I'll just try and make up for this via numbers. Yeah. I feel like those ADPs that you just described, like after Zay Flowers and Bateman go, and when you get into that purgatory of Sutton and Michael Thomas and them, I feel like that ADP is almost driven exclusively by people who feel like they get behind yeah. at it's wide receiver. Me. They're like, because yeah. like when Pat and I took Michael Thomas last Monday, it was literally like, we're getting fucking buried and we literally need a body here. I think that no one's ever excited to, but they're just like, structurally, I got to fucking take a guy right yeah. here. Well, and, and that, I think we've seen that the, after like wide receiver, let's call 45, you know, after Quentin Johnson, Flowers and Bateman go, the wide receiver ADP is so due for insane corrections. Like guys who get steam are really going to get steamed. We're going to see guys. We already saw this with the Arizona situation. Hollywood Brown is up to a fifth round pick. Rondell Moore is like wide receiver 60. You know, Dorch mm-hmm. and Michael Wilson were being undrafted. They're drafted almost every single time now. And come on, Dorch is not getting drafted every single time. You Only in drafts that Davis is in. In drafts that I'm in, drafts that I'm in. Drafts that I'm in. He's going, every yeah, time. he's going at a 100% clip. I know. This is this is an underdog. Yeah, you're not you're not go. drafting at seven a.m. enough with with Davis yet. Pete. He's getting drafted a lot then. Uh, so this is I we mostly do underdog on this show. We should do a DK show, but I would say yeah. Greg Dorch is the single greatest pick on DraftKings right now. You can get him in the twentieth round. He is a lock for multiple fifteen point DraftKings games, and you can just take him. Um, but the point I was making is. Any sort of, you know, if we yeah. get if out if we get an Allen Robinson is in the best shape of his life, they're playing him in the slot, yada yada. He's going way up. Devontae Parker, we've already seen. I mean, nothing we didn't already know. Parker was not getting cut or traded on the contract that he was on. Parker's up ten spots just based off signing a contract. But we're we're gonna see crazy 50, 60 spot jumps from wide receiver. Remember when Marquez Callaway was an eighth round pick yeah. and then just was Marquez Callaway and did nothing? We're gonna see. My guess is like five guys like that this offseason where they they went from being a total afterthought to being drafted 100 spots too high. Yeah. I think that's a really good point too because of, again, like the wide receiver dynamics and teams that want to, like you're going to be quicker to talk yourself into some of these wide receiver risers if you're like, hey, I'm scooping up these three running back values and like three, four, five, and like yep. I need to catch up. All of a sudden, it's and we've already seen it a little bit, is is Romeo Dobbs or Sky Moore on the chart? Because anecdotally, I feel like those guys have been No, but but that's ha- like you, – you, That's you, been another steady, steady drip. Uh, yeah, steady your drip. third eye is yeah. too open. It's, it's coming. Like once the Packers declare a winner between Dobbs and Reed, whichever one of that guy is – he goes up 30 spots when Andy Reid is saying Sky Moore is is our our guy week one or whatever. He's going up 20 spots or or Rice could go up 40 spots, yeah. you know, pretty easily. So the two guys in that range, the two guys I like 
the best and I think have potential for huge jumps up um, are Nico Collins and Jonathan Mingo. And, and it's, it's a pretty straightforward thesis. It's just that they're the wide receiver ones on their teams. And I think a lot of research, I recommend people to check out uh, JJ Zacharyson late round quarterback. He has done some studies that show once you get into these like late rounds, like ADP, I forget exactly how he defines it, but I'm sure ADP 130 and later, I think is sort of in the range he's talking about. Oftentimes these like wide receiver ones on supposed bad teams are oftentimes better bets than, you know, taking Justin Fields wide receiver two or taking, you know, uh, Rondale Moore, who's, who's not going to be the wide receiver one in Arizona, et cetera. Um, so I think those are two guys like where if we get camp reports, I know Mingo's prospect profile, like is not spotless, but he was what the 35th pick in the draft. If we get uh, camp reports that like, Hey, like, yeah, Crane, Crane is on this. Dust. He- He's yeah. the new, he's the new age. He's the new age, Calvin Benjamin. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, those are two guys I like taking stabs on, but you know, I, yeah, I, I think that you, you can make an argument for a lot of those guys where I do think this range, like pick, I honestly don't see a big difference. You know, once you get to Sutton pick 90 to pick one thirty in ADP, I think there's going to be some massive uh, reshuffling in that range. Over the next couple I agree weeks. completely. And like, I think you can apply that to basically anyone that we vaguely like. Like, I take a decent amount of Alec Pierce, especially now that I've been yeah. doing some more Anthony Richardson. Like, if Anthony Richardson is balling at training camp and people are getting confidence in him as a passer, like, you're going to see Alec Pierce's ADP get pushed up to the point where I wouldn't be surprised to see them like correlated as like a 9 10 double tap. Like, you take Anthony Richardson, you take Alec yeah, Pierce. I agree. Like, stuff like that is going to happen a ton. Yeah, 100%. Um, let's keep this on track. Let's move to, uh, Devonte Parker. That was the, the piece of news, uh, that the Patriots inexplicably, uh, extended Devonte Parker. Look, I, we don't need to talk about how dumb of a move this was for the Patriots. I think like everyone agrees on that. They guaranteed this guy $14 million. He, he's 30 years old. He hasn't really been good in a while, but I will make like the case for him in this ADP range, why I think he's a solid pick. I do think this is news in the sense that Parker's contract was actually cuttable. They could have cut him with zero dead cap before this extension. Uh, The details aren't fully out now, but I imagine this extension locks him on the roster for this year for a decent chunk of money. To me, that's just a signal that they're planning to play Parker in two wide receiver sets. He's not a slot wide receiver. He's an outside X wide receiver. You don't just pay a guy this if you're not going to play him it, it doesn't it doesn't mean he's good I, I don't think he's that good but last year he played in like uh just 10 or 11 games i think or no, sorry uh 13 games um and he had two week he had one week six for 79 and two touchdowns in week 18 against the bills uh, that was actually a game where the Patriots were trying to win it wasn't garbage time um and then week two five for 156 uh, against the Ravens. So he did have two big weeks last year. He's completely free. I think he's going to play. It, it's kind of like a Zay Jonesy-esque bet from last year. We're like, that, that's getting... exactly what it is. Yeah. That's, a, it's, it's that's a, a great, that's a great point. That, that's my stance on it. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty bearish on, on Taekwon Thornton. Now I think his paths to getting a big, uh, route share and participation share are a bit lower because I, I kind of was baking in the chance of, of Parker just being outright cut from the Patriots. Uh, now I think it's like a little bit thinner and how with, with Juju there, with Gesicki there, you know, running routes as a wide receiver with Parker there, Kendrick Bourne still on the roster. 
Tyquan Thornton's really bad rookie year might have just been a signal that they they're not really planning on having a role for him. He, he was a guy I was bullish on early, so it, it kind of hurts my bags to say that, but uh, that's kind of how I'm approaching New England. Um, I, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I guess I never thought that they were going to cut Parker. I get that they could have Same. like money wise, but based on like how little, basically they replaced Juju or uh, Jacoby with Juju and then basically made no other addition. So I kind of always worked under the assumption like, Hey, we're going to need Parker just like as a body mm-hmm. out here. So to me, it's like, if you liked Parker before, like continue drafting him as an 18th round pick, he's free. Um, I just don't think anything has changed since that contract thing. It was like, I think he's in like the exact same spot. Like, I think it's a little weird if like the thinking like he's going to have a better season because he got that contract. And I know that's not what people are saying. It's saying like, Hey, he doesn't have the cut risk or whatever. I just don't think a lot has changed from you either liked him or you didn't. And he's still free. Yeah. I think for me, it's like, yeah, he's just a high dot at this point in his career. He's just like a high dot deep threat guy, you know, 500 yards last year. That's obviously not impressive, but, once you get to the 18th round, man, I'm, I'm taking, you know, well, the way, the way these guys projection, like I'm, I'm okay with that. The way he accrues the 500 yards though, is he might have a bunch of games with 18 yards, but he also might have three yeah. games where he has 111 yards. And I also, I mean, this is a, this is a pro Mac Jones program for the most part. Like we, we, the, just the idea that there'll be a more competent offense with an actual offensive coordinator seems truer than not. And the market, I mean, it's what Ramondre goes in the third round, and then no Patriot goes until like the fifteenth round until Taekwon goes. It's so well, Juju, like, but yeah, yeah, Juju. I, yeah. He okay. I mean, he, <laughs> he just he doesn't exist. It. This guy remembers Greg Dorch, but doesn't remember Juju. <laughs> Look, Greg Dorch should Greg Dorch is going to score more fantasy points than Juju this year, probably. <laughs> oh, Juju gets the bets down. <laughs> Juju is still Juju is still dealing with a knee injury that he suffered in Week Nine of last season he still is not back to full speed like that just it does not strike me as a guy who's ready to to pay off a wide receiver 50 price tag like i would rather parker at cost not even close um and that's actually low-key i mean that would be a way that thornton's price could be reasonable and parker's could be as if juju just like physically cannot play this year here let me position it this way because this i think is the more interesting thing about these players because i really do think with like correlation you can justify about any 18th round pick like if yes. someone wants to take Allen robinson on a kenny like whatever i, I take Allen robinson sometimes but this was my question with Devonte parker would you ever take him dot 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 in a vacuum so with no Naked. mac jones with no buffalo bring back like just purely as like this is the guy i need for this team that's where i don't i don't see it but i don't see that for basically any 18th round pick uh yeah i actually i actually like making uncorrelated 18th round picks because to me it feels like the way that 17th and 18th round picks pay off is just they end up playing far more than anticipated whether it be breakout performance injury whatever um that's on the advance rate thing right that like in that scenario but that's not i think where they really pay off is in the correlated fashion in the three weeks sprint. Sure. Yeah. I would say, I think I would take him like uncorrelated. I would say like, I would be checking a lot of other things before I took an uncorrelated Devonte Parker in the 18th. Like I'd be checking, you know, do I need a tight end here? And can I correlate, you know, Trey McBride with Kyler Murray? Or do I need a, you know, did I take Josh Allen? And can I take Deontay Hardy instead? Like it's not my first um, choice, but sometimes you do get to the 18th round you know, you'd need a wide receiver and I don't want to take like a speculative, like wide receiver five 
you know, on like, I don't want to take Devin DuVernay uh, over uh, Devonte Parker or something like that. And I don't, maybe, maybe something, maybe I'm wrong for that. And some people would go that direction, but you know, I, I feel pretty good about the locked in playing time for him. And it's, it's not a sexy pick, but like the Zay Jones thing last, like, I really think it is kind of similar to the Zay Jones thing last year where, um, I, you know, and I don't expect him to have as good a year of Zay Jones, but it's just like, you know, look at the, the wide receivers in Parker's range and there's no one who projects for for a role like he does. Like it's, you know, McCole Hardman, um, Jalen Hyatt, Hunter Renfro. You know, we just talked about Tim Patrick, right? But he still has an outside chance, I think, to be his team's wide receiver too, whereas Parker, I think, has, has the inside chance. So The uh, only thing I'd say is I think Zay Jones, the Zay Jones example, is an example for why correlation is so important because hitting on Zay Jones was part of hitting on the Jags as an undervalued offense. Evan Ingram yeah. ended up being undervalued. Trevor Lawrence did. So that's why I'm just saying, like, let's say an example. I have a Giants or a Rams stack going, and I'm deciding between an uncorrelated Devontae Parker or Tutu Atwell. Like, I'm taking Tutu Atwell, the correlated bet in that thing and if you if you're doing I, I had to toss you a, a short boy uh, peace offering there but so to the parker point like i would actually want to have parker as part of like a mac jones gasicki hunter henry thing being like this offense on the whole is undervalued and parker is going to be part of the big winner as the market undervaluing this team yeah that's fair that's definitely the, the best time um to take him um let's move yeah Let's move on to uh, the fallers. We hit on it, uh, Jalen Hyatt a second ago. He has fallen a ton. I also did want to highlight Tyreek Hill. I think there's maybe a tiny bit of suspension fears with him, but he's really not fallen more than... I take uh, I take Cup over him now, Yeah, just because I'm, of the tail risk. I'm in the same boat. Um, we'll wait for more news on that. Uh, we, we talked about it last week, but yeah, he's he's fallen. I think it's justifiable to take, to take Cup and McCaffrey over him. But let's start with these like Giants wide receivers. I feel like it's become a recurring uh, bit on this show where we have to talk about Giants wide receivers. Do we need Do we need minutes. 17 minutes of if Isaiah Hodgins will or will not make the roster like we did two <laughs> weeks ago? Yeah, let's talk about uh, Jameson Crowder versus Sterling Shepard uh, camp well, battle for well, wide receiver six. So to me, this actually makes a ton of sense. This is because there ne- there was never any reason for five Giants wide receivers to be drafted every single time. You know, yeah. and the market is now deciding the winners are Hodgins and Campbell, which means that Hyatt and Wandale necessarily have to, you know, be just for the market to reach an equilibrium. Those guys have to essentially be undrafted. Yeah. I, I love sense. this development because like Hyatt at this price and Rondell, Wandale. These are the ones I want. Are my two favorite. Now you're getting them this cheap. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I'm pretty excited about because I wasn't drafting a lot of Hyatt. But I'm I'm gonna be start scooping him up at these prices. Yeah, I, I really Are like you taking Hyatt. him naked or just with Giants and Rams. It would all probably almost exclusively be uh, Giants and Rams. But again, like yeah. I said, I'm almost like a hundred percent only correlating my last three to four round picks. Mm-hmm. Sure, I, I I would take Hyatt naked. Sometimes uh, he's certainly not even in like my top ten favorite. You know. Uh, wide receivers to take with my last pick or whatever, but I, I could see it downs. I would never take naked, but I think he, I think downs is a great, uh, probably my favorite, you know, uh, last round pick to correlate. I'm starting to think you have a player type that you like Davis five foot six, 140 pounds soaking wet. Just give no, him all downs, the downs is 
Downs is skinny, but he's not. He's not that short. Downs is super skinny, but he's not. Uh, he's not. Uh, he's not a short. He's king. five he, nine. That is, that is not a short king. Trust That's me. That's huge five, compared five, to like Greg Dorch. That's five, five nine isn't a short king. Come on, Davis. Five I mean, nine just by says, NFL but, standards might as well be like. But Bozy. Downs is not. Uh, Downs is not like a Wandale Dorch two two near the line of scrimmage guy. He's he's all bombs. He's yeah. he's just bombs productions. Same for Hyatt, too, actually. Yeah. The thing is with these two guys that I think is interesting, and I, I tried to make this point a couple shows ago, but I think sometimes we double count the fact that a player goes later than their alleged like consensus um, you know, mock draft ranking. Like Everyone was expecting Hyatt and Downs to be first-round picks. Uh, that yeah. was like, if you looked at mock draft database, they were you know in the 30s, whatever. They fell to the third round. And like we sometimes like double punish those guys for that. Like third round draft capital as a rookie is still like pretty solid for a wide receiver. We haven't had huge hits recently, but like Chris Godwin was a third round pick. Uh, Michael Gallup, Deontay Johnson. Like there's been plenty of good Amonra, third round, fourth round. Amonra, fourth round. Exactly. Right. And like obviously, like th- these camp storylines of like Jalen Hylett's playing with the wide receiver or with the third team offense, like obviously he is like it's it's june it was june when those reports came out they have a shit ton of wide receivers like i'm not expecting him to be playing with the starters in camp um so i I like these guys like these third round wide receivers i think at some point during the season they're going to get a chance it's a pretty pretty high pick to spend on these guys so especially when they're completely free i kind of like this archetype of bet it's like you know, it's like when it's not completely comparable because they were second round picks, but people always talk about, you know, Claypool and Higgins were completely free as second round picks in 2020. Um, obviously, rookies have been priced up across the board, but you can still get pretty good draft capital rookies like completely free just because we decided um, we don't we don't like these guys um, anymore because they went a little bit later than we expected. So I like this. Yeah, archetype and, of that. and I don't I, I always push back when I. I forget who was saying of just like, you don't have to take any giants wide receivers, just take Darren Waller and like log off. I mean, the yeah. whole reason people are applying that I, I view it very similar to the three ambiguous running back backfields. We see the saints, the dolphins and the bears where it's like, I don't even think you have to guess which one of those three is going to be a hit. I think you might be able to just guess two of three and you might be able to win on two of them. Same with these giants. I don't even think you have to guess which one you might be able to get two out of this cohort of five guys who ends up massively outperforming their ADP because they're just free. And unless you're just fully out on the giants, which I don't really know why you wouldn't, they showed so much last year under Dayball. They're going to get more uh, in the groove this year. Darren Waller, they add him in like, this is an offense I want to be in on. And you're going to give me ambiguity in this wide receiver room all at cost. And they're just a perfect backdoor stack. Like I'm in on these giants. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, don't draft Hodgins because Hodgins is just Travis Fulgham to me. Like teams, it's just he just doesn't matter. I think the winner is likely to be one of Wandale or Hyatt. I think those are the guys who are like most likely to be someone that you might actually have wanted to have drafted. Like what Hodgins is just Allen Robinson. You know, it's just like 500 yards and five touchdowns. Maybe like that's a good season for him, and it just does not exciting. Yeah, it's funny because I think everyone has different opinions about the Giants wide receivers. Um, personally, I'm I'm not taking Wandale, and I'm not really taking much Campbell, and I'm taking the other guys. Um, but I understand why people disagree with that. I just think I agree with Pete's larger point that 
you know, I really like this, the potential of this Giants offense. Like everyone's treating Daniel Jones pass catchers like completely for dead uh, besides Waller. And, um, you know, they, they passed more towards the end of the season. We saw Daniel Jones have that massive uh, game, obviously, in week 17. Uh, you know, he would have been in Pat's lineup if Brady didn't also blow up that week. Uh, and then in the playoffs against the Vikings, he threw for 300 yards and two touchdowns, also ran for 80 yards. Like Hodgins had over 100 yards. Slayton had 80-plus yards. Like, I think the team they wanted to be uh, kind of came through a bit at the end of the year last year, and that's obviously down Narrative Street. But Dayball always kind of has wanted to run pass-first offenses. I don't think they're really going to do as much of the Daniel Jones-designed run you know, run the entire offense through Saquon Barkley. I think they kind of showed that in the pieces they they added this offseason that they want to throw more. So, yeah, and I'm really excited about the Giants. One other point about this, and who said it? Mookie said it in the chat. I have a hard time seeing these guys being free all summer. I mean, look no further than the Paris Campbell rise. I mean, that was what, like one training camp report that he yeah. was like looking good? And he already yeah. leapfrogged two players who are, in my opinion, more talented than him. So, like, if that one piece of news, think about how, like, an actual training camp report or a preseason game is going to rocket one of these guys up. You could see an eight-round jump for one of these guys. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think that's accurate. Okay, cool. Well, like we said, kind of a dead news time. Uh, I don't think there's, honestly, some of these other wide receiver ADP faller movement. I think I'll keep an eye on it. It's kind of interesting that the first round wide receivers are slightly down across the board, but I've seen too much of this noise week to week to really uh, think we need to talk too much about, you know, Diggs, AJ Brown, Lamb, all going slightly down. I think, I think that is mostly just noise. So let's, let's move to talking about um, the weekly winner strategy. So I wanted to show this quickly. Um, I, you know, a, as is kind of traditional on the show, just kind of copying stuff that smarter people have done and repackaging it as our own um, is sort of an important piece of ADP chasing. So I, I read Hayden Weeks Wink's article. I read Chris G's article. I read Justin Herzing's article. And I kind of pulled out um, nine strategies that those guys called out in their articles. Um, so I think a lot of these are interesting. But Pete, I know you spent the most time thinking about it. You don't have to go off this list, but... Um, are, are any of these strategies or, you know, any strategies that you want to talk about that you think um, you're really prioritize? Say you hop into um, a weekly winner's draft. What's sort of like the first couple things you're, you're thinking about once you, once you enter the lobby? Yeah. And I would say, so for me, I do think like the structure of how you build your team is by far the most important. And I do think like all this stuff with the stacking divisions in the bye weeks, I think that's very fun. And I think there's a time and place for it. I hate to use the word tiebreaker because that gets overused as a strategic uh, cop out most of the time. But I really do think people need to reorient how they're thinking about drafting a team and really viewing it through a DFS lens. And like, I think one of the things that helped me frame it is I literally thought, let's even just like take the bench spots out of it. Let's say if you had to make a DraftKings lineup, which I believe is nine spots, and it was fixed for the entire year. So no extra things. And you were just trying, and that got tossed into the Millie Maker each week, week one, week two, week three, and you still had the normal salary constraint. constraint. So let's just assume Travis Kelsey is going to cost a lot. Mahomes is. How would you go about building that roster knowing you can't touch it and none of the opponents can't touch it. And the thing I keep coming back to 
is that I would build through the elite onesies in that. I would want a top six or seven quarterback who has access to a 40-point ceiling. I would want access to one of the top five or six tight ends who has access to a 20-plus point ceiling. And then I would look around for other value, value at wide receiver, value at running back, building that out. But the main thing I keep coming back to is the elite onesies who can separate. That's kind of the first like tent pole thing. And then the second thing I've been thinking about is I think always when we draft best ball teams, we want our early selections to inform what we do. I think in best ball mania, it's a little more fluid. Like, all right, after three rounds, start to see how that's going to inform the rest of it. I think even more important, like the second you draft Cooper Cup, you're saying, how do I win a Millie maker with Cooper Cup as the bedrock for this team? Or whether that's you, you're taking Travis Kelsey. And so that's, that part I need to flesh out a little bit more, but I do really think building around what you've already done. And this means pushing the structures to the max. And I'm not the first one to say it, but I do really like the one quarterback build, the one tight end, and then just load up on running back and wide receiver elsewhere. So those are kind of the two things knocking around in my head with it. I'd like, I like that idea of just giving up the EV of just being like one week, you're just not going to be eligible to win, to, to get larger EV in the other weeks. The, my immediate response though, was strategy five here on Sam's list, which is, just giga stack one team, right? So basically every week you're heading in with, you've got five Eagles, five Chiefs, five Bills, five whoever, uh, and just be like, you know, the the three weeks that those teams get pushed or if they get an overtime game or whatever, you're just going to have like an unbelievable mm-hmm. uh, level of points there. Because I, I would guess, I, I would think people are probably not doing that. Again, anecdotally, I've not been in these rooms, so maybe they are, and maybe that's a strategy that is too popular and you're, and it's just going to end up being one V ones of like your RB two for $20,000 and you just destroyed all your EV. But that was my first thought. Yeah. yeah. So I was just, I want you to go, Sam. I I was just going to say, I, it, it flies in the face of how I was thinking about my DFS fixed roster spot. And to me, the cost of giga stacking, it would be like, if you want to do it with the Panthers or Texans or whatever, but think about you would never in your DFS lineup, for one week, do Kelsey, Mahomes, Kadarius, Tony, and Pacheco in the Millie Maker. Like, you would never do that. You're capping too much of your weekly ceiling. I think you're thinking about it more of, like, I want to be live more weeks. But Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. But that's you what I'm need saying. a 99.9 percentile outcome to make any money these weeks, and I think those guys are too negatively correlated on a week. But you can, get, you can get your 99th percentile weeks from – the other the other parts of your roster i i actually think it's kind of a high floor strategy where the in a in in a way with these elite teams because you know so often they're going to have qb1 running back one wide receiver one tight end why do we want floor in this contest nothing about the payout structure indicates floor should be a consideration what's more more bites more bites at the apple right you're you're gonna have more live weeks so you think that's wrong so I, I just think, oh, go ahead, Sam. I bet. Yeah, m- maybe to bridge it, I, I do think it, it really depends on price. Like, for instance, I would be totally fine going Daniel Jones and all five of those Giants pass catchers we talked about because yeah. I'm taking them 13th, 14th, 15th, whatever. And then when I get a Daniel Jones blow up week, I know I'm live in any of those weeks. Sure. I guess, you know, Darren Waller. He could fuck that up, right? But that that's the idea, right? But I get what Pete's saying, where like with the Eagles. Um, it gets a little tricky. Like, I think I'd be willing to take like two out of three of Goddard, Smith, AJ Brown, 
uh, with Jalen Hurts. If, if that's even possible, that's like hard to do in a normal draft. So I'm guessing it's even harder to do now. Um, but I wouldn't want to go fully overboard. But yeah, Chiefs, for instance, like if you want to go Mahomes and then like Sky Moore, um, MVS, Rasheed Rice, Justin Watson, whatever, I think that's fine, right? Because it's cost adjusted. Um, it, it, like to Davis's point, I do think there is some element of like, you want to like Mahomes is going to have four or five massive weeks all year. Your other pieces are, are only going to go off at the same time that Mahomes goes off in like one or two of those weeks. Right. Like, so I do kind of get the idea of like giving yourself multiple bites at the apple of like when the chiefs go off, like your other pieces could fail some of the time. Um, so I do kind of want to give myself like a couple chances on the chiefs blow up game to get the right pieces to like, match match that so i do think i i see both of what you're saying i think it's like very it'd be very like price sensitive and cost adjusted to me well and again and and i realize it's not a perfect one for one but i do think thinking through that dfs lens and davis think about it this way too right like if you were to stack mahomes up in a big tournament and like say all the chiefs receivers were sub 4k which we like saw happen and you yeah. just were like i'm gonna do Mah- i'm gonna fade kelsey in the running game and i'm gonna do mahomes in three of the cheap wide receivers because it's gonna chew up only 12k of my salary but you wouldn't do three cheap wide receivers and kelsey with the thing and i kind of think about it this way too, well where it's well like- actually i think you would if it was you could not you for could the millie sub- maker so so think about it think about it you would never do that in DFS because your floor would be too low with the the correlations there, right? So yeah. You, so w- because there's no way that four Chiefs pass catchers are all mm. going to land in an optimal lineup, but because you if effectively it's like the FanDuel drop score they used to have for NBA, where I just get to take the best of Richie James, MBS, and Sky's score for that mm-hmm. week, and it doesn't matter if the other two guys get zero. You know, George Pickens puts up eighteen. And, uh, you know, Greg Dorch gets 11 or whatever, you know, and we, and we call, and we call that good. Uh, I, I actually think you would do that if you had the ability to just select the best score of the contributing wide receiver. And also in, in a lot of these universes, I mean, this is more micro than macro strategy stuff, but like the fact that Kadarius Tony could so easily just not be a starting player for the Kansas city (laughs) chiefs, uh, actually, actually makes these guys a little bit more interesting in this format. But the same thing would be true of like uh, the Bills guys, right? Where, you know, Shakir and Hardy, I think, are extremely good picks. Shakir, Hardy, and Knox uh, are all extremely good picks with Josh Allen in this format. Maybe even better. Actually, in fact, almost assuredly better than they are in Best Ball Mania because I don't think one of them is really going to win the job over the other. Yeah. And the other thing I think about of why I don't like the like expensive giga stack stuff is, again, if you're thinking about how, and I do think dupes are going to be a concern in here and say like you're making that correlated bet, Chiefs go burr, but then there's going to be teams that hit the individual parlay of like, this was the Tony week with Pacheco, with Richie James, and they're going to have those three pieces by themselves without all the other extra chief stuff because they hit that parlay better than you just the way we see it in the millie maker right like it there's so many times you might be on the block but they just took the one piece instead of all of them and that's the thing i think you have to realize is like you're gonna the top three chief scores how many hundreds and hundreds of teams are going to have those at the top of the leaderboard and i think using too much to correlate on a team is going to really limit the both the uniqueness and the firepower of the rest of your lineup yeah so I, I agree with that. I think what I'm thinking through Pete is like, 
the reason it's different from DFS, right, is even that scenario you just described where another team has a better version of your team because they just took the, the right three pieces and they didn't take the Noah Gray and the Justin Watson and all this extra garbage at the end. Like, even for that team, like, just inherently in the structure of best ball, you can only start eight out of your 18 pieces. So, like, e even the teams that smash, like, wait, quote-unquote, wasted 10 picks on something else, right? So, like, I'm okay with, like, wasting one of my 10 picks, like, on a correlated piece. Like, try given that it's, like, cost-adjusted, like, I'm okay knowing when I take Richie James in the 17th on my chief stack, like, knowing that could be a wasted piece because the opportunity cost was, like, we talked about Devontae Parker, or Isaiah Hodgins. But where I agree with you is, like, these, these really uncorrelated weekly outcomes that are really expensive, I want to be very careful to avoid. Like the quarterback running back stacks, I love in best ball mania because of how it can work in the playoff weeks where like Daniel Jones can go off one week, Barkley can go off one week. Like they're not correlated week to week, but that could carry you to the playoffs. I'm probably like those QB running back stacks or like right, uh, running back wide receiver on the same team stacks. I'm like very more cautious to avoid if they're really expensive. But given they're cheap enough, I'm actually like, feel like I'm okay, like, quote unquote, like, wasting or like overstacking um, a certain game, knowing that, um, like, every team has to waste 10 picks, right? Um, the, the I, but, one but again, I'm, yeah, go ahead. The one exception I would make for it is because I do think the uniqueness element is going to actually end up being big, is I would want to use, say, in that Mahomes example, I would really like to use Justin Ross, Richie James, fucking Justin Watson or whatever. You're basically yes. trying to hit. Remember the Matt Collins week last year where just like out of nowhere he dropped like Oh yeah, 30 I do burger. remember because he was 30% yeah. in cash and I didn't have him. So you <laughs> use the correlation tiebreaker to get you on these unique pieces and then you know, hey, the majority of these Chiefs are going to be 100% rostered in this contest. But if you get that one week, that's going to be the unique Chiefs piece that levels you up. Whereas someone was mentioning like, oh, in DFS, Mahomes would be 20%, but here he's 8%. 8% of 261,000 is over 20,000 Mahomes teams. So like the 8% doesn't mean much when we're talking about 20,000 teams in a given week that you're competing with. And that's well, why I just want to you But okay, but start to start to break it down a little bit. Um, let's say I'm going to, I'm going to conservatively call it 10% of teams are going to be constructed so poorly that the, they're, it's impossible to win. Right. So knock out 2000 Mahomes teams there. Um, then start to segment it down more. How many Mahomes teams have Kelsey, right? 4% probably roughly or uh, 4% of the total teams ish. Cause we have, we have some ownership data and Kelsey Mahomes are the most common round one and round two pairing. So if you're doing non-Kelsey Mahomes teams, then break it down even further and go into what you're saying, right? Justin Watson, Richie James, MBS. You're, you're starting to get into, it sounds like a lot of teams, but the total number of teams that have something like no Kelsey, Mahomes, MBS, Rice, and Richie James, is it's going to be much lower than it sounds when you say it that way. Yeah, and I would just argue that it's still a bigger team. But it's I still, think it's still a, a, a hundred teams or something. My biggest pushback is just like giga stacking at expensive prices where you're paying a premium and you're not feathering in the unique guys at the end. That's where I think you can get into trouble. Yeah, yeah I'm, on, so, I'm on board with that. So we probably like just disagree the, on the degree to which yeah. that. But we with the Eagles, that. would you be taking like Boston Scott and Quez Watkins and stuff like that? 
Because I think you probably should. Right, but I wouldn't do that. I would just never do start my draft. Hurts, or let's just say, who would you need to take first? AJ Brown, Brown. Hurts, and say Devonta miraculously falls, and then you go Goddard. That like I'm just never going to start with those with those four um, in there because I just think I'm capping too much of my weekly ceiling by giga stacking those guys. I would rather go Hurts or AJ Brown, Hurts, and then Gainwell. Um, Quez and whoever else you want to toss in at the end, like the super cheap, like that's how I would prefer to play it through an elite offense because it goes back to that thing. And we're going to hop in a draft here too. I do really think thinking about the distinction of overstacking, let's go back to best ball mania, like overstacking a team weeks one through 14. I honestly think that's like game theory optimal. You're betting on undervalued offenses. If the offense rolls, you're going to be getting those points every week, different directions. The reason you get in trouble with it is in the three uncorrelated tournaments where you're needing them to essentially go for 40 points three weeks in a row. And if you're too massively exposed to one offense, you're likely to flame out one of those weeks. And so this format lends itself way more. They're literally 17 uncorrelated tournaments. So you're trying to hit the 99th percentile outcome in those weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it becomes, you're, Pete, you're exactly correct. Like the cheaper the offense is, the more the correlated bet benefits you because it's just stating, it's showing that the prices were wrong. Yeah. We it's, can see talking about this. I just, uh, I wanted to get us going in a draft as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. I think it's I'm, super I'm, interesting. I'm in here. I hopped in too. Davis couldn't resist. Couldn't just join. So it's me and Sam versus Davis. You're, you, you're cut out of this one. <laughs> well, what am I going to do, dude? The EV on my time, bro. Come on here. <laughs> Davis, are you in the same, time. are you in the same one as us? <laughs> yeah. I don't see you. Oh yeah. yeah, he, oh, is yeah he, is, he is. He is. Okay. So how about this from an ADP perspective, Sam, and this goes back to my kind of the onesie things we are seeing, and these, these do have different ADPs than best ball mania. We have Travis Kelsey at one, three. So it does appear that the market is starting to value the elite onesies more in this format. Yeah. And I, this is tough for me. I don't know. I don't know entirely how I feel, but if this is really true that, like tight ends should be valued this high in like a one week format or quarterback should be valued this high in a one week format. Then I think it suggests to me that like they're, they're undervalued now. And I understand the tournaments are different. I'm not saying they're the same, but like, man, I I still think that like Travis Kelsey going three, like Jamar chase, there's a difference between a Jamar chase and Justin Jefferson and CMC spike week versus Travis Kelsey spike week. Like, yeah. No, no, I don't think that's, I don't think that's, Kelsey had a four pure raw game number last year, but Kelsey can Kelsey, Kelsey can't put up a fifty like Chase he can't did? put up a fifty burger. He can't, he can't put, up, put a up a fifty burger, but he can put up yeah. forty. All I'm just saying, and maybe maybe Kelsey is this unique unicorn, whatever. Um, I think it's like a little overrated that like we always talk about. Oh, when you get this elite tight end spike week, it's like separates so much. Man, when you get the Joe Mixon fifty five point game, like that separates more. Like. I, I don't yes. know, like that. That that is true. Just, that is true. So I just think that, like, it's like I get the elite onesies should but, go but higher. Comparatively, but comparatively, like, comparatively though, because the burden of scoring is lower at tight end, you're gonna get you're gonna get more, right? Because 27 from Kelsey might beat every other tight end by 10 in a given. Well, the, the thing is, the hang on, let's make this yeah, pick, Sam. Uh, we're on the clock. Eckler goes. Diggs, Lamb, Bijan, Adams, Chubb. Who do you want to do? I kind of like. Lamb, just because we can get the quarterback for cheaper. What do you guys that's, think? Yeah, that? that's what I, that's who I would take if I was you guys. I also think like, I mean, I still like Diggs, but I think Lamb has higher single 
weak upside with how much the Bills pass the ball around. Like Diggs is just never going to have a game anymore where he's getting like a 30% target share the way they run that offense. Yeah. I still think do you guys, that, do you guys agree that this format is absolutely perfect for zero RB? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it depends. Like, I think it depends what you do, but um, I definitely can see that. Let's see. So should we be targeting, this is where, like, is this too early to start thinking about like divisions? Um, no, I don't, I don't like, think do so. We, this is the part we, like, of the game tree I haven't explored yet. So if we want to start galaxy branding, some of that stuff, I also, to this, the point where I was saying where I feel pretty strongly about the onesies, like I have no problem taking Mahomes or, or Hertz here in building out elite onesies backwards. I agree uh, with that as well. I would take Mahomes over Hertz just because we're going to miss out on Hertz's top pass catchers, right? Whereas yeah. Mahomes, we can still we can stress test our our idea here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hang on, I got to push back on this in the chat. Zero RB teams are dead early. Why make your teams dead early? You are not trying to win every week. Like I'm sorry, you cannot win every week. You are trying to build a team that fucking runs hotter than the sun on the most beautiful day. Or, or do you just want to? Or do you just want to? <laughs> do you want to min? Do you want to min cash three times for a little two x? If if you want to <laughs> min cash this contest, like I, I won't shame the min cashers, but you're playing the wrong tournament if you're trying to turn your fifteen dollars into thirty. Like, there's what's the <laughs> what's the right tournament? What's the right thing to do with my fifteen? Go play the individual twelve person. The MFL tens are those still going? Go go do an MFL uh, ten. They're best I just realized now. we we just made a genius pick because the uh, NFC East plays the AFC West this year, which we totally knew when we made this pick. Yes, so, Sam, keep me Casey, updated on the divisional correlations. Yeah. Um, so case, yeah. Uh, I guess that means any. Fuck. This is this is where I've never done one of these. So like we should, in theory, we should be targeting players in either Kansas City's division, so Raiders, Chargers, um, Denver. Broncos. Or like Giants, Commanders, Dallas, Eagles. I guess maybe we just should we just say fuck the Eagles because we're not going to get their best players at this point. And like, I love saying fuck the Eagles. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's do that. Let's do that. Um. This is yeah. It's uh, so a. It's, I I understand why people are so frothy for this, right? Like it's it's honestly this is more fun to think about than Best Ball Mania right now, you know. But yeah. uh, I do think. I, it's also one of those things where, like, if some bro started spinning up Sims and like doing all the math right now, I think they'd have a huge edge on even even badge bros who have done no math and are just, you know, thinking about thinking. Yeah. Well, that's why I think the structure is the biggest edge to hammer out first, um, and basically just really like the whole reason like pushing structures and best ball mania works right is because you're wanting to like supercharge the other parts of your roster if you do a hyper fragile build and you only take three running backs you're like betting that you're right i think you want to take that ethos and push it even further in this thing you were trying to just bet you're right for a single week and based on these bets like we shouldn't take another quarterback like we have made such a big no. bet that mahomes is going to be what the top score six out of these 17 weeks and we're now going to build a team that can hopefully take it down one of those six weeks. Mahomes is the top scorer. Yeah. Seems, I think if you go elite right. quarterback early, you should. I can see taking two quarterbacks if you like pass on the elites for sure. But with how we built, should we go Keenan Allen? Chargers play the Chiefs twice? I'm down. What do you guys think? 
They also do. Uh, I would see this would be. I would much rather take Debo because Debo feels like a guy who can put up multiple forty burgers over the course of a season. I would. Yeah, this is. Yeah, this is where you get into like the individual player versus the correlation. Like, I, I don't feel strongly either way. Correlation feels Chiefs, low on Keenan. The Keenan on Chiefs blow up games where the Chiefs fucking steamroll the Chargers. Isn't Keenan going twelve for one eighty and two touchdowns? I don't know. Wow, this room is about to let me cook. The Wilkinator better not take Debo right here. He's going to. Oh, yeah, I forgot where why, why Davis. Yourself? I forgot that Davis doesn't have input on our teams because he has his own team. So, uh. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is a good point too about some of the the uh, divisional stuff. Is some of those games fall in week eighteen, and the weekly winners contest does only go through seventeen weeks. Justin Fields feels like the perfect guy for this format because you don't even need to take any of his teammates with him. Just get just get the thirty seven point week where he scores three rushing touchdowns. I was thinking about this too, but I think I'm almost always going to do commit with my fields teams. Um, just because, because I do touchdowns, think they're because so correlated. And if he yeah. has that massive, I think commit. Well, there's, there's no, there's no scenario in which commit finishes as the, the top tight end in a week without multiple touchdowns. There's no 11 reception, 180 yard teams in there. What do you like? like I was either thinking either Judy or Mike Williams. Yeah, probably probably Judy. Just because yep. I think in, in like we said in an individual week, I think Keenan and Mike Williams both uh, they both could explode, I guess. But yeah, I, I like I, leaning towards Judy there. I do too, and also yeah, I think um, I I personally just like Quentin Johnson cost adjusted more than Mike Williams, so that always helps me like break the tie. Um, whereas we just talked about like man, the Sutton stuff is is tough if we're looking for like a Denver guy that really has that ceiling early. Yeah. Um, so Davis, you did talk about Ramondre. The chat is divided. Some people like uh bully running back over zero RB in this format. Um, what about the, what do you think in there with the Ramondre prick other than just being a nice value relative to his regular ADP? I mean, it just seems it. What I think it, one, it frees me up from panicking and making a bad pick like a Miles Sanders or a Pacheco, like naked or whatever. Like just mentally, it soothes me a little bit to see the one running back in there. And I mean, Ramondre, we've already seen insane workload weekly ceilings from him. Like over the course of the year, could Pierre Strong, could Ty Montgomery, could Kevin Harris work in more? Sure. But there were multiple games last year where Madre was playing 90% of the running back snaps. So feels like it sets it like he will have one game with 30 or more half PPR points and probably a handful of 20 plus, even if his fantasy points per game is only like 18 and a half or whatever. Um, and also, I mean, I don't think he correlates horribly with Mac Jones. If I wanted to go that direction in round 18 as my second quarterback, um, you know, it feels like he could catch a touchdown two touchdowns or whatever like that doesn't like he the the theory behind Ramondre is that he will be working in the passing game lg asking our thoughts on this start from team four cmc pollard jacob so i mean i don't love this for this format however if i did do this and i think it's viable i would not take another running back probably the entire draft um yeah in this format i think it's interesting to do those because like the data does show the the top 12 running backs by ADP just have a huge percentage of their spike week. So if you just go three running backs and then stack up 
like this guy took Watson. If his plan is to stack up like pass catchers on offenses with quarterbacks later, I kind of like yeah. that. Where like the running backs are less correlated, you just take the good ones and then let me try to hit the nuts on some like less popular passing attacks. I think that's definitely viable. I, I, yeah. I do like that idea. Yeah, I'll be watching out to see if he stops at three or I think I think maybe four running backs is okay, but definitely no more than 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 four on I, that build. All, thinking about this more, I love the idea of stacking the Lions and the Saints because dome games just get fucking weird, right? Like, like we don't know what – you remember the Detroit-Seattle game? It was like the 11th highest scoring game in NFL history last year. Like, I do love that idea of just consistently getting exposure to those nuts games. Mm-hmm. All right, Sam. We're on the clock here. Mm. Um the divisional bros are going to have to help me out. I'm not seeing the board um, in that divisional thing. Fuck. Do we do Tony? Is, is Tony the pick on this team? He, I'm not. Oh, I'm, not ta- I'm not. For me, it'd be Tony, or I would take one of these running backs. Like, I'd take Aaron Jones or Tony. Do we have probably. any correlations? Uh, let's, let's just get Tony, and then um, if we do want to go the running back route. Um, okay. Davis is probably not going to be taking a running back here. I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna double tap. I'm gonna double tap two wide receivers here. Fifth round Tony is is painful. Um, but Pete, to your point, I like this is this is where I start thinking through like to the thing of like take three running backs and stop. Like, shouldn't we stop with like five or six wide receivers in this team too? Potentially, like the only the only um uh. All right, I got. I do agree with you. The only guys here. I was just going to say, Sam, I would on this team be very interested in the Richie James, Justin Ross, yeah. or even one more of like the MVS. Like we're just spraying, praying the wide receivers late on, on yeah. Chiefs. Should I take Waller here? What do you guys think about taking Waller ahead of ADP to lock in the last uh, elite tight end, really? That, that also that I could even possibly correlate. Do you think that's just it. giving up too much ADP value? No, I don't think so. Because I, mean, I was I gonna take, I, I was gonna that, take Lockett, but he just went. I mean, Waller's oh my God. not my coming fucking, back to you. My fucking, my fucking cue, Justin. Anyway, dude, you did. I, had, I had my cue. I had my cue in the wrong order. I thought I had Deontay Johnson at the top, but I had all my Lions starred, so I guess it's a non-starter. Um, Sam, I would say too, this is the spot where like I'm push now, starting to like really think through like my thesis and how I'm playing it, and even though it's ahead at ADP technically or whatever, but I, I would give both Waller and Goddard a, a long, hard look at this spot. Um, maybe not Goddard because we're out on the Eagles Waller goes. So maybe that's, yeah. Good. So I actually, I'm okay with Goddard. I actually look the Eagles and chiefs have the same bye week So I, I like that element of it. We, they play each other. Um, Goddard could be the piece that goes off. He's the last elite tight end. Um, I, I kind of <laughs> yeah. like it to be honest. Uh, I, I think, my just hunch is that it is it is interesting that you said like so Kelsey's going ahead of his BBM ADP. George Kittle goes ahead of his BBM ADP. Pitts goes way ahead here. Hawkinson actually goes slightly after, and then yeah. Waller and God. So it's like some of these guys are arbitrarily getting pushed up and others not. But I do think on the whole they all should be getting pushed up this cohort. I agree. Also, don't take David Montgomery forty spots ahead of ADP. <laughs> If you were drafting with me and Sam, dude, we just uh three brains building this beautiful team, and instead you had to go rogue because of the EV of your time. How much are we paying you over here on ADP chasing? Not enough, apparently. Uh free free 99 for, <laughs> for my services. So yeah. good. 
The last couple of paychecks I haven't cashed. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I oh, to keep God. telling Karain it's something with his like <laughs> offshore uh, bank uh, account. Okay. And the checks yeah, are yeah. bouncing. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so this is interesting, Pat, because I don't know. I guess fuck it, we can just give away our strategy. But like, we definitely are going to be interested in probably two of the Chiefs' other like rando guys later. Feels yeah. feels like you're almost dead to have a Mahomes team without three of his pass catchers. Yeah. And like I, I just want like I don't I'm not a believer in Tony. I want us to be like I want us to be live for Mahomes spike week. So I want to be tacking on these guys. Yeah. So does that mean like I think that almost means like we should be just going like heavy running back for the next couple rounds unless something really pops out because we don't want like we bet big on Judy, Keenan, C D already. Like don't don't we probably just want like six wide receivers on this team and like just play the lotto game with a bunch of running backs to try to get spike weeks. Um, yeah. The only thing I would say is I'm still fine being conscious of like where the value pockets of the draft are and like in best ball mania right now, generally like the running backs are the best picks on the board because all these wide receivers have been wiped out. Um, like if we were to get a big running back faller here of Sanders and Pierce, um, but otherwise like all the best picks on the board are going to be wide receiver. And then you start to hit that, that running back range where all of those picks really tilt to a running back. So that's the only thing of like, yeah. I don't think we have to blindly lock in on a position if we don't like how the value is lining up. Why yeah. is Michael, why is Michael Pittman? Why is there a 30 spot gap in where he's being picked in this? I have no idea that that seems like that seems bizarre. Cause you'd still want him with Richardson. Yeah. I think so. I think Pittman had like, I see him as like a very high weekly upside guy. So that's, yeah. I don't know, maybe that's just my personal evaluation, but I see him as like a bad projections long bet, but like a pretty sick, like weekly upside with Richardson. Um, yeah, I agree. So that's yeah. interesting. Um, so like on here, I was going to be excited about Quentin Johnson kind of with our charter yeah. set. Um, if you want to go Pierce, I'm fine with it. I also like Addison. Um, I would probably, yeah, I would probably be Pierce just knowing we're going to be taking wide receivers later. Um, and yeah. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm fine. I'd like, I would never, it's funny because I would never take Addison over or Pierce over Addison in any draft. But I think just like, yeah, I'm trying to think through like, we, we do want a bit like get some running back ceiling. And I think we want a lot of stabs at running backs in this, in this next couple round range, I think. So. It's almost more of like a volume thing than like individually liking Pierce over Addison as a bet. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind Pierce there, and yeah, I if I think of like, I don't know, I've also been on the camp too where I, I think Quentin Johnson's like ninety fifth percentile like upside cases are better than Addison too. I would have pounded mm. the table for Johnson, but I didn't mind Pierce over Addison there. Yeah, hmm. yeah, Johnson would have been fun. Here. Davis, uh, I don't really know what to do. I, I, had, I, I was like, my brain felt so flustered right there. Um, after we make this pick, I do want to go back. Hayden had a comment that I think we should talk about because I think it's interesting relative to this team and the tournament. But Sam, looking here, now we're back into that that spot with like, do you toss on Pacheco with a Mahomes team? Like, no, you guys, you guys want I don't McKinnon. Want to. You guys want McKinnon. Yeah. Okay, okay we don't have the choice. I'm kind of yeah. glad we don't have the choice. 
Yeah. Um, doubt. So we already took CD. Like I, I was saying pound running back, but I, I, I don't know if like, I don't really like Dalvin or Rashad white. You could talk me into James Connor here. Um, let me see if there's I, any other tiebreakers. I like I like I like going with basically playing this Dallas premium double stack without the yeah. quarterback. Yeah, I like it. Let's do it. Um okay, I wanted to pull up the thing from Hayden said drafting someone like Goddard without an elite QB seems like a death sentence. If he goes off, then Hertz goes nuts. Uh not an issue with Mahomes here, though. The reason uh, I disagree is because the weeks where the weeks we're going to be live to win are the weeks Mahomes is the best quarterback in the pool. And there are certainly weeks where um, Goddard could have two touchdowns and Hertz doesn't outscore Patrick Mahomes. I think it's more of an issue if you don't have that elite QB and you have Hertz because then you're going to get lapped there. But we have one of the few quarterbacks who can hang with Hertz in points per game. And we've also seen the Eagles offense be very concentrated about one player. Like you get the AJ Brown game, you get the Devonta Smith game, you get the Dallas Goddard game. So I don't mind just getting the structural elite upside there, knowing Mahomes is going to keep pace with Hertz in those scenarios where we're winning. Yeah. I think, and I think, yeah, Hayden's comment, I feel like, yeah, he said not an issue with Mahomes. I would, I would agree with him. I think, right. Like if we uh, didn't take an elite quarterback, we yes. were trying to go head to head with fucking uh, Matt Stafford versus Jalen Hurts. I would definitely not want Goddard on those teams. Yeah. I don't think. Um, yeah. So it is. Yeah. Goddard is a very interesting pick. Like, I think you have to be careful about when you're taking him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's got to strike off some players attached to elite QBs. If you don't have one yourself. And this is why I just like, I want that elite quarterback and that elite tight end because they kind of work in conjunction with each other, right? Where you're making sure that you're not getting bodied by any of the, of the field from just like a ceiling perspective yes. at those positions. Yeah. Cause that, that uh, feels, that feels like it's going to be a real problem in this is just, you know, weeks that, that Kelsey Mahomes hurts, whatever, that these guys go off. It's going to be so hard to, not have elites at those positions like i don't know it feels like if you don't have at least one elite quarterback or tight end it, it feels like you almost can't win a week i don't know i'm sure obviously that's not true but that's just kind of the way intuitively that it feels i think it's yeah i almost think that like if we're pricing up mahomes allen etc then like Daniel Jones, like Anthony Richardson, Tua, they should be way priced up too because I think there there are like a set of those quarterbacks. Like we've seen it uh, with Daniel Jones. He can have that massive spike week rushing. We've seen it with Tua. He can have that massive spike week. Like I think those guys, if we are pricing up the quarterbacks, those guys should be elevated too. Like you, I don't know. I'm, I'm like kind of okay in best ball mania, maybe doing like, like Stafford, um, like Kyler Murray and CJ Stroud. I don't yeah. love it, but like, I think it's viable in this tournament. I think that strategy is maybe like closer to dead. Um, I do like too. The, the, yeah. the piece piecemeal together, three quarterbacks type stuff. Yeah. Little floor, like a okay. little yeah. ceiling, little starting. Like, yeah, I love, I love so much. Anthony Richardson, Derek Carr, Brock Purdy. To me, that is like the perfect three quarterback best ball mania oh, free yeah. room. And I would, I would like never that. do that in this. I think. Um, the, 
Other thing, so real quick on the roasting us for our Kadarius Tony, I don't even think Sam and I collectively like Tony, or I bet we're both way underweight on him. But when you yeah. don't have Kelsey and we're betting on Mahomes to be a top quarterback, like why, why do weeks, people demand Tony's coming along for the ride for that? Why Hang on, let, let Sam and I pick here. Yeah, I mean, you got one guy to I, take Gibson or Sky Moore would be the two that I would be into. I don't know. I, or, I, or I, you, I, oh, go ahead. I would probably go Gibson. I don't mind waiting on receiver. Um, we have the other so guy, many options in Kansas City. Sorry, what were you going to say? What was the other guy? Um, maybe I won't say him in case he comes back to us. Okay, okay. What were you saying, Davis? It's just this guy, like we these Justin Ross slappies. We had another, we had another Justin Ross slappy. Like he's never gonna play a snap in the NFL. Why people gotta stop? Enough. I just realized Washington is in the NFC East, so that was another genius pick from us stacking the division. Thank you. I love recognizing wow. our genius high after tea, the fact. Yeah. High T running back room. Ramondre, David Montgomery, AJ Dillon. A lot of a lot of T. A lot of big, big quads, big quads. Quad well, is, is Ramondre high T or not? Or is Ramondre a hero RB for zero RB bros? He's kind he's of in the team. middle. He's not near he's as high T as like Jacobs or Derrick Henry. Not even. Oh. Yeah. Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry way worse for this contest because you only get him against the Texans twice. So I was going to suggest Rashad Penny um, as a guy that I just think has just massive single game. I mean, we've seen it. Um, and we have a slight bet on the Eagles here. Um, yeah, I would smash Penn. I would go Penny. Because the point I was going to start to bring up, and like we talk about all the different strategy considerations for this tournament, I do think, like for me, the second one, honestly, after just pure like structure, would be who are the players that legitimately have like 30 point upside in a single week scenario? And I know you're not going to be able to find those guys at every single portion of the draft. But I do think some of the running backs in this range, Penny specifically, have that upside like way more. Like thinking of like, I don't know, even Penny versus like AJ Dillon. And I, I like both of these bets, but it isn't Penny getting to 30 points at a higher frequency than AJ Dillon is over like a simulation of a thousand games. Probably, yeah. Probably, yeah. But I think they both, the point is they both have like, I think we've seen it. If Aaron Jones goes down, I think Green Bay is comfortable with AJ Dillon workhorse back, and like he could fall into enough volume where it could happen. Um, I'm I'm just like the, the Eagles' offense. That's where I break the tie between those two guys. Is just like they both need some things to fall into place for it to work. But I just feel so much better with the Eagles' offense than than Jordan Love. Mm -hmm. So, um. but I do. Like, I guess that is like, and I, I mean, we were kind of having that conversation with Keenan versus Debo, right? Where, and I think I have to be, I have in my head, obviously, right? Like my biases of like, this guy has upside, this guy doesn't. But like, I do think being able to like quantify, like kind of like the bell curve, like range of outcomes for these guys hitting their 95th percentile ceiling and how frequently that occurs. Like going back to our whole better and best ball joke from two years ago of like, which of these guys, because the 15 point weeks, like that is very valuable in best ball mania for just getting but it doesn't it doesn't fucking advantage. matter in this exactly and so i'm saying i think we should be even tilting the adp board even heavier in favor of that i just want to make sure you're not making big mistakes because you're doing bro science of like this guy has more upside but it's like does he actually but with a guy like penny i feel like we have enough of a track record to know that being mm -hmm. the case 
Yeah. I feel like honestly, sometimes people overlook just like, it's like stupid analysis and no one wants to do it, but just like looking at a player's history and seeing if they have done it. Like, yes, I say it with Devonte Parker. It's like, it's stupid to like read Devonte Barker's box scores. Like you feel like an idiot for doing it, but like he's done, he's had huge weeks in the past. Like a lot of the guys that pick 190 haven't like, that sounds like dumb analysis, but I, I think it's like, sometimes that's the best we can do. Right. Like if a guy's done it before, it it, it kind of means something to me. Um, I love that Davis is doing his swole cast bit where he has like a long side conversation in the chat during the host. You're still arguing about Justin Ross. The Justin Ross pisses <laughs> me off so much. It really does. It really it, it's like the Chiefs have 19 wide receivers and and people just keep, like Richie James. I never mind. We don't need to. We don't need to do this. This now, Sam. We also find ourselves in another spot here where like there, there's no reason. I don't think we take Dak. We've already made our bet, but that he's starting to really fall because no one else. No, you guys, you guys should absolutely take Dak. What are you? I I think at this point I would. I'm not sure about yourself another out. It does like. Um, hang on, but hang on, real quick, Sam. Should we do McKinnon first and then? Yeah, McKinnon first. McKinnon first. McKinnon first. Um. But Davis, this goes back to the thing. I we don't want other outs. We are building this team around Mahomes being the top score, and we're going to benefit. My my guess, my guess is is that that's probably pretty wrong to do with only to do only one out when you have eighteen roster spots. So, my my guess, my guess is is that Leone or someone is going to run the math and be like, just building a team with one out is is bad. I Why? I, I see it, both it, sides it, of it, but. Like, Pete, don't you think this is, like, a very specific circumstance where we've been betting on all NFC East teams? Like, da- like Dak has fallen, like, four. I, f- I feel like, in general, you're right. But, like, I think it reaches a point where I'm, like, look, look, we only spent, like, uh, what, an 11th-round pick on McKinnon and a 5th-round pick on Tony? Like, those guys... Here's can- what I would say. This is where it's going to get interesting. I would rather further build out our bet on Dallas with Michael Gallup here than taking... Dak. No, no, okay. that's that's it has to be wrong. I I would I would I say, would take Rasheed. I would take Rasheed Rice actually over Gallup. Well, I'm, yes. I'm completely yes. fine with that. I really I really don't. Th- I think pe- I think people are getting way too caught up on wanting to be live multiple weeks in this tournament as opposed to trying to win it one week. Now go look Peter, at the payout is, structure, is, Davis. Peter, this is terrible, dude. I I actually I feel confident in this that only <laughs> building it, only building it to have good EV for one team for one group of players to spike is i mean i i just know for a fact if you started to game out the ev that having the two chances at twenty thousand dollars first place theoretically instead of one on a given week you're you're going to be much better no because you're watering down both of those two avenues chances for getting there I don't. I, I. I disagree that it's watering it down because the DAC part is so key, and the McKinnon part will be a very small key. I mean, the what, DAC he, part he, isn't key because DAC doesn't separate from the quarterback field when he hits. Well, I mean, that's not true if you look at the entirety of his career. Now, you could argue it's true in this context with McCarthy and Schottenheimer. Sure, I, I could maybe. I could maybe be swayed by that. But I, I'm saying let's take micro stuff out of it. Macro apply it. Would I rather have two quarterbacks, three pass catchers each, or one quarterback, five pass catchers with that one quarterback, or five teammates? I would I would rather have the two with three of their teammates as opposed to one with five of his teammates. 
Yeah, yeah, I think I think people. I, I'm are... I'm extremely confident in this. We See, need Leone, I, I'm the we, we need Leone to run the numbers. Yeah, I think people are going to play this format way way too scared. Davis, it's the same way of how many how many 150 max are in DFS lock a QB wide receiver stack or a double stack and they then just do whatever their around computers it. tell them. Peter, they're they're cowards. They just do. They just, I'm they telling just, they, you, the they press their little button on their computer. I, I think you're, there's you're a point where. Like Pete, like let's say you're the extreme. Like you're, yeah. you're not taking Dak in like round 18. Like in this build, like I, would you take it that far? Like, or or is there a price at which on this build you would have taken Dak? No, I I, I think there is. I do think in okay. the in the same way, like I've taken Kyler Murray 40 picks past ADP on a Jalen Hurts team as my third quarterback. Like I yeah, I, I okay. will tilt it here. But when we're building up, we have such a. I'm glad you brought up Rashi Rice, but we have such a big bet on Mahomes here Fair. and to yeah. pass over like one of his potential upside picks just make no sense. To I, I agree that we needed Rashid. I think we should. But uh, this, this argument is also suggesting that the Mahomes is going to be the, the quarterback one every week, which is, will not happen. I would go probably Algier for the contingent upside or one of the Chicago backs. I, I was thinking of, I, I really like the contingent value of Algier here, right? Because we do not care about any standalone value. This is in a scenario where Bijan Robinson gets hurt. Yeah. The, 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 the nine points that Devin Singletary grinds out, you know, especially when we have matter, Pierce. Ab- yeah. yeah, it matters absolutely not at all. I think, Davis, where we fundamentally disagree, I really think how massive this contest is and how hard it's going to be to finish in the top 10. I really do not think you should be worrying about like, can I have a good team this week? And then See, I think, good team I think that's Cowboys very, I think week. that's very reductivist. I think that's very um, just live a little type vibes. Like I think, I think you want to have more, I think whatever the correct decision to add expected value is, is right. I'm pretty confident my side is right. Obviously I'm not a fucking mathematician, so I could, I could definitely be wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that, the, the I think equity we're, I think of having we're the multiple teammates. I think we're trapped by our other best ball drafting, and it's very fun, and we're so used to getting multiple quarterbacks, multiple double stacks, all that. In the way these uncorrelated tournaments work in best ball mania where you can like ping pong back and forth, and you don't need the 99th percentile outcome. You just need like 80th percentile on those stacks to get you through. In this, you need the tippity top. You need the fucking nuts in the millie maker to hit it here, and I think you're capping your nut upside there. With with the you know two hundred sixty one thousand though it's again I'm I'm saying ten percent. I go Mims, Mims or I, I was going to say Mims or here. Jerome Ford. What do you like? I go Mims. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. All right. I think we can someone... actually stop on. I think we can stop on KC stuff because we got we got Mahomes triple stack now, right? Um, it would only be if we wanted to to add a uniqueness pick in and in, in round yeah. eighteen. But I think structurally we can stop. So I did. Yeah, I guess since we're going one quarterback, one tight end, we could do like eight running backs and eight wide receivers. I, I did so. I want to say one thing on on your guys' debate because I, I think it's interesting and I think like it is something that needs to be simulated out because like I think it's really complicated. But like I think there is some element, Pete, to where you, you do want like two two outs from quarterbacks, and I, I'm not sure in our specific instance it was optimal. I'm not saying that, but like in general, you, you you're gonna have your two teams. Say you have two team stacks, right? You're then going to have a cohort of like 12 other players. And when that like uncorrelated cohort that's not attached to your, your quarterback stacks goes off, you also need your quarterback stack to go off. Right. And like giving yourself, 
yourself two chances at that quarterback stack going off when your other cohort goes off. Like, I think there is something to that. Now, when you spend a second round pick on Mahomes, maybe you say there's no point in in trying to game that out. But it still is like, like we always talk about a better version of the teams. And like, this is a huge tournament, 200,000 teams. But like the combinatorics of like 18 individual players, like it's still like, no one's going to have an identical team to you. No one, like, no, probably not even... 10 overlapping players, right? Even 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 the combinatorics of 10 overlapping players. How often is that going to happen? Like very like I'm sure it will happen. I'm sure someone could pull up an, an instance where, you know, they're yeah. sitting there and 10 players are duped, but even that is crazy. And even getting into how many teams have Dak, CD, Cooks, Gallup, Jake Ferguson or something. Even that number is way lower than your napkin math would think because the combinatorics are just so intense. The the thing too, I would maybe be a little bit more open to with the second quarterback is on the profile of the quarterback and what kind of upside they have. I just do not think with Dak, with how little he runs, that he has a lot of opportunities of separating from the rest of the quarterback field. So that's the point. I think I can capture all the benefits of a Dak good season through his pass catchers. Now, if we wanted to have the argument of like, okay, Anthony Richardson falling, and it's like he rips off a couple 50-yard touchdown runs like we saw from field. Well, the running the running then, quarterbacks then are different because the running quarterbacks are different in your team too, specifically because Richardson could be the highest scoring quarterback in a given week and not bring any of his teammates with him into yes. the optimal lineup. So that makes it different. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. Go hang ahead. on, we can still keep talking about it. I think it's interesting. Yeah. Like people are saying in the chat, this is literally the crux of the contest. Like what we're debating and like how you push it is like what the whole, why the contest is fun. Um, let's see here. Uh, oh, I still like these Miami or the Carolina. I like most. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I like Mostert a lot in this format. Do you, do you prefer him to Jeff Wilson? I like both, but Mostert's probably more the home run hitter. Yeah. I let's, yeah, Mostert's fine. Um, I don't have a strong preference. So we we're at a one, six, seven, one build. This is like how my builds in these, uh, at least my fast draft build last night. And some of my slow draft ones are shaping up. Um, I think we're probably yeah, two man. more running backs and a wide receiver. Yeah. I was thinking like a second tight end, I think could make some sense with Goddard because like we, we do talk about like, um the elite the lead should be priced up because when they separate it's so big but like there's weeks where the the tight end one scores like 16 points and like i i don't know i, I guess i don't want to like goddard's gonna have so many duds this year like that do we want to do we want to i'm not just a, like a tight I'm end that can get us 12 yeah i'm not opposed to a second tight end this build and this would be where i would really want to be specific with like kind of the profiles you know, we're targeting, like, I, I I do like Gesicki. I think he's, like, a two-touchdown type guy. If you wanted to play a contingent bet with, like, an Isaiah Likely, Andrew, like, that's kind of interesting yeah. to me as a second tight end. Um, you can maybe wait and grab it. Should we grab another running back first? Like, Yeah. Um, I'd probably go, like, Hubbard, CPAT, Jeff Wilson. I like Hubbard just because I do think he could, what, if Sanders gets hurt, I yeah, mean, he's, he's probably good he's, he's pure contingent yeah. value. He's good contingent, yeah. yeah. Um, Davis, what uh, did you do here, Claypool and I Ty just Chandler? I 
I'm just mega stacking the two quarterbacks that I have. I have uh, a, a running back with each of my quarterbacks. I have a, a wide, two wide receivers with Goff, one wide receiver with uh, Fields, and then I have Komet and Laporta with with them as well. Yeah. It so is I'm like, I'm I'm doing I'm doing two bites at the apple. Yeah. It's really what other what other ADP shifts do you guys think we might see? in in this contest relative to best ball mania like we got our guy millionaire Karain writing threads about robert woods out here like robert Dude, woods that should, was should be going we, undrafted can we, can we stop contest. can we can we can we just the guy wins two million dollars and the next thing you fucking know he's he's writing multi-pronged threads about a guy who is like so unlikely to matter because he's robert <laughs> woods i mean it's really yeah. it's just i i couldn't believe it he he I don't know, man. Uh, money, money really changes you. <laughs> but I do think, like, but it comes to my point with this contest, right? Like that kind of production and useless in in this format too. And a lot of the stuff, even when we're talking about the dead roster spots, I do not give a fuck about dead roster spots in this completely. Contest. Like, I yeah. have like, to care about them for Best Ball Mania. And you're not doing dumb stuff, right? You're not taking Jamison Williams in the second round. But well, but Jamison Williams is way better for this contest than best ball. Hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. I guess the dead roster spots thing. The way I think about it is like, when I get to the playoffs, like I just like having the the wide receiver who who sucks and all of his emission, efficiency metrics are garbage, but he's running ninety percent of the routes and out there. I'm actually like kind of excited about getting that guy in like the 17th or 18th round because he could do the Devontae Parker thing. He could do the Matt Collins thing, right? So like I guess I still care. I think I still care about dead roster spots. Like I I don't you want as many live I guess it is a little different because like you only care about one week and not consecutive. The zeros but... zeros don't matter and like eight points and twelve points don't matter at all. So it's just about yeah. it's just about the amount of weeks each roster spot can produce, you know, 90th percentile outcomes yeah. or whatever they are yeah that's fair <laughs> i would probably pete i'm probably thinking roster construction wise like a running back and a tight end here um unless there's I'm, a wide receiver you really i'm still into richie james on this team but he would okay. be the only wide receiver i'd really consider yeah for me it would have to be a chief's wide receiver um yes and this goes back to our conversation of like without Kelsey, without Pacheco, I'm fine playing this through, you know, th a, a triple stack with the Chief. I kind of like James. I think okay. where I look at, I'm open to that. We have yeah. Tony and Rice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, How would you guys but... take Mahomes and not take James, dude? It's a must. We just did. And then I'm with you. I if we have a tight end who we think has like legit upside, I'm down to do that. Otherwise. Um, I'm fully on board with a, a running back. Pick. Yeah, for me it would be like Mayer because the Chiefs will play the Raiders twice, so that's kind of interesting. I guess Noah Gray is kind of galaxy brain interesting in a way. Um, who are the running backs? Do we still have Jeff Wilson? Jeff Wilson's still there. This would be a spot. I mean, I like Jeff Wilson. Uh, Pierre Strong are kind of like. I would. I think I would have taken strong. I think all these contingent value guys are yeah. just so much better in this. Like because ten weeks of zeros from these guys matters not at all if you get two weeks where Zamir White is the straight up starter or whoever. I, yeah, I would lean I'm, toward. I, yeah, I don't know. 
What do you real, think? Real man, my three. Real, real man takes Jody Fortson here. <laughs> We're not doing that. Who do you, you want, want to talk Sam? about? Uh, give me, give me mayor. Okay. I just think there's something to like one, one mayor, I think has some, some upside down the stretch and two, like I, I already said this point, but like if my, in Mahomes' spike weeks, if Dallas Goddard just like has his duds, which he will throughout the year, like that really hurts us. Like I think we could still win this with like a twelve at tight end for Michael Mayer, right? And like yeah. giving ourselves that out, I think is is valuable. Like, well, and that's the thing. Basically, every team can tell themselves this, right? Because tight end is such a low scoring I, position. I was gonna, like, I was gonna say, there are. Yeah. I think Sam, you said it earlier, right? Like, there's gonna be a week where the highest scoring tight end is sixteen points, and yeah. it's gonna be like free for all week. Whoever is separating at the other positions yeah. gets to take it. Yeah. Whereas we will have, like if Kyle Pitts drops like a 30 burger, like it's going to be Kyle Pitts week. It's going to be who built the best team around you know, Kyle Pitts. You know how, when you finish a best ball mania three draft and sometimes you're like, this team is just cannot win. Like it just, it can't, this team is not winning a million dollars. I think every single person who drafts a weekly winners is like, well, you never know. You know, you, <laughs> yeah. you, you just, you just don't know. Like maybe, yeah. maybe that's the, the exact combination of players you need in week yeah. eight like it, it's it, it's after doing this once uh it's it's an extremely um i got this is an addicting draft format for sure yeah yeah and and that's what uh the other zach says having different opinions makes these shows so much more informative because the reality is none of us really uh won't know what's viable until two three years of this journey for sure uh, i mean and davis and i like completely think about this tournament differently which is the goal of this tournament right like the whole thing that's fun and i always said like with best ball mania with how the prizes are tilted in week 17 like you're kind of if you're not building for that in mind everyone should basically building similarly or relatively similarly in this you can someone can go be like i'm gonna try to win week five like if that's your goal yes. like yeah. you can build really good week five teams and then if we have 10 people in the draft all doing different things that's why all of a sudden you see like a michael Pittman faller right because like everyone's doing their own thing ignoring this guy i think maybe seeing big adp fallers that feel weird is maybe a testament to people all trying to accomplish different things in these drafts yeah, yeah. my first reaction from that too is i feel like in, in basketball mania there's like a couple tiebreakers i have in mind but there's like not that many of them right it's there's like, like but none of them apply here yeah but none of them apply here but here also i feel like there's like a million on every pick you could be like are the bye weeks stacked up is it a divisional guy are they playing each other there's like yeah infinite spike we or it's not spike weeks infinite uh tiebreakers for these picks like it's it's a little overwhelming but it's it's a really interesting format um, yeah i mean pete i i I 100% see what you're saying in this specific circumstance, like with the Mahomes, Allen Hurts, whatever round two. And and I would have to th I would have to think more deeply about that. Like, does so you have Mahomes and your opponent has T Higgins or Devonta Smith or whatever? So like, how much of a of a projection disadvantage are you at? But I do think building a team with multiple outs. I don't think it's waving the white flag. I don't think it's playing for min caches. I do think it is just giving yourself i think it's it's providing a wider <laughs> surface area to 90th percentile outcomes taking two quarterbacks with multiples of their teammates and i'm not even going to disagree on the 90th but we need 99.9 percentile outcome in this contest that's what i'm pushing it's the same thing like when we talk about like running back and quarterback 
pairings, right? Where it's like, sure. I think that's like pretty good for the regular season and probably even pretty good at ping ponging you to the yeah. week 17 finals. But then as we saw, like with Pat's lineup, like Barkley didn't hit his lineup because Daniel Jones went off like in that really top end thing. Those guys are going to be negatively correlated. And I just want every fucking bullet I can at a non Mahomes position to try to build Mahomes super teams. I think what's really interesting with that Barkley point is like, we, we have proof that you can win best ball mania with your round two pick counting for nothing in week 17. Can didn't you have win a good, didn't of, have a good week 16 either. Yeah. Can, but yeah, the question is like, can you win one of these weekly tournaments with like your first round pick, your second round pick, not counting? Like that's going to, I think it's gonna be really interesting to see I, like the I, teams I, that win this. And I think the answer is yes, you can, but like more likely, less likely. to win more likely to win this mm-hmm. than best ball mania, I think. Right. Or do you disagree? I was going to say less likely just because like best ball mania, once you get to the finals, there's only 450 people or whatever. And like the, the ownership is so skewed. Like once you get there, like Mike Evans would have been on the optimal roster, but he was only on like two teams. So like he didn't actually matter. Whereas like in this tournament, every player is 8% owned or every meaningful player is 8% owned. Right. So like you can't get away with like having a super suboptimal lineup um, because of that. But, but like, let's know. say, uh, let's say a second round pick gets injured, right? Let's say, uh, let's say Saquon gets injured. Um, how many, like, what, what would that decrease? So if you have 17 other active players and Saquon's injured, how much does that decrease your weekly equity? I think you, like, not you that, go in not and that rename much. that one. Yes. If you're losing your second round pick in this weekly winners format, you are, I, I don't want to say drawing dead because anything's impossible, but you are so much more dead in this than you are in best ball mania losing a second round pick. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird though. Right. Because like, I, I, I'd have to think about that more before. Everyone, okay, something so definitive. What, what is the average, the average max of every pick in the second round on a weekly basis? Like on average, I'd say somebody in the second round is going to put up like a 25, a 30 burger. Right. Sure. So like that you need right. to find a, if your second round pick is dead, you got to find a way to make that up. And I don't, I don't think it's a pot. Like Pete, if you, if you, you need, you, you Devontae need to Parker in the 17th round, not to say him again. And he has this huge week. Can't you like make up for that kind of, I guess like other teams. I don't know. Maybe where you saying, can win but, me back over is the, the uniqueness element, right? That's, of that's like, what, that's what it is. Yeah. But yeah. maybe, and maybe this is another thing too. Um, you know, we talk about like when it gets closer to the end of best ball mania season, like starting to really try to draft some late round picks that aren't drafted in like, you know, more than yeah. 10% of drafts. I think we probably need to start pushing that even in this contest here yeah. of like, you, you got you row doing that every time. Yeah. And starting to look at, and we can use maybe some of those like badge bro sheets too, for looking at percentages guys are drafted, but it's like having a unique guy that Matt Collins or Davis, what you took Josh Reynolds, like the guy who, goes off that's on five percent like that is going to be and that's how people take down the battle royales right it's that one-off yeah. piece that isn't drafted in those six rounds that is the differentiator that that was my thought with reynolds was like marvin jones will get drafted 80 percent of the time on golf teams but reynolds probably 20 percent of the time and i think that has way more value in this format than it does in best ball mania because in best ball mania you just need guys who are get who are not zeros, right? This it doesn't really matter. I I think you have much more freedom with your later round picks in this because your median expectation uh, of return from those picks is uh, so much smaller, right? Because they don't need to contribute that often. Yeah, yeah. It's like it, the I, 
Yeah, I was just going to say ahead, one dude. other point about all this too. It, it also has to do with if you are going to get true sweat entertainment equity out of this, to Davis's point, like having your Dak double stack and your Mahomes double stack, you're going to get more sweat equity out of it. It's almost similar to like in DFS, if you lock button a stack, it's like my entire sweat is wrapped up in this single stack. And if it's done, right. you do have more outs to sweating. I just think you're probably hurting your just uber percentile outcomes by doing it. But again, the whole point of this too is going to be fun to sweat. It is going to be really fun to pull up on a Monday or a Sunday evening and be like, do I have a team with a prayer to finish in the top 10 here? And if you have 150 bullets and you have, you know, two stacks on each one of those, you have 300 different stacks you get to build around each week to sweat. Like that's legitimately fun. Um, I think too, going back to the DFS thing. And again, these aren't always perfect comparisons, but like one thing I talked about, we should push back on that because it is not, it's not the same thing as playing the spy on DraftKings or even the millionaire maker on DraftKings because of the replaceability. There is, but there is more, I think it's more analogous to that, to playing DFS than it is to trying to win best ball mania. Yes, I agree. I agree. But I was yeah. the DFS point I was going to make, and then I, I I was the one that said I was going to keep this a tight ninety, and then the ADP <laughs> gravitational. It's it's uh, just it's this it's just this show. You can't yeah, get out everyone, of here. Everyone needs to get their points in. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, like again, with the exposure thing and how you build portfolio. Like a lot of times, like Brian says in his exposure sets, if he's running a one fifty set and he has like fifteen percent Mahomes and like two percent Dak and two percent Goff, he'll just axe the Goff the ones, 2%. the Mahomes, because being like. For this slate to go, I'd rather have more combinations around the bigger stand I'm making than to be feathering in like the second option. Well, what if Dak goes off? Well, it's like, well, then the people who have way more Dak or have built more intentionally around Dak, I think are going to have better teams than you. That would be my point. I think that's the illusion of control, though. I think I think that's the human brain wanting to uh, believe that it has some control over the events. Like to actually take a lesson from David Kitchen here, like oh, you no. don't you don't know if. You, Did you just refute Rick 75's point with a David Kitchen aphorism? A word that we've lost. I, I did. I did. <laughs> no, but because it is, it is the way the order of operations that our brain has for these things is that is that Mahomes is always going to outscore Dak, right? That that's where that's the priori of this conversation is that every single week Mahomes is going to be projected for more points than Dak. So taking Dak feels useless because we can't foresee an outcome where Dak has multiple weeks of scoring more points than Mahomes. But we know if we just look at the, the probability distribution, like that will happen and has happened in real NFL games that we've seen. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm questioning it now, but that that's how I'm seeing it in. That's how I'm seeing. And also the other thing is at quarterback is you don't, you don't need the nuts, right? Yeah. Even in, even in 261,000 or whatever, you don't need the nuts at quarterback, the nuts at wide receiver, um, it's more important, which I guess is a point in your favor. Yeah. I think the thing to remember too is like, I don't know, we we I think we over focus on like wasting pick, quote unquote wasting picks at quarterback and wasting picks at tight end. When in reality, like there's eight starting spots. So once you're getting to round nine, that means you're like quote unquote betting against one of your round one through eight picks to not be in your starting lineup, right? Like you're gonna waste once you've taken your fifth wide receiver. You're yeah. betting that one of the wide receivers you took in the first four rounds is not going to hit your starting line. So, like, you always have, like, more picks than are actually going to hit your starting lineup. I kind of get why at quarterback we should be extra careful about that. But, like, let's not pretend that, like, we're not doing that at every position once we're in the double-digit draft. That's, like, that's always- a great – Sam, that's a great point. I would not have thought of it that way. Yeah. Yep. I, I think my big, like – 
put it on a throw pillow, like live a little for this is just like the drafting, like your right ethos is, is so just even more pronounced yes. in this one. Yeah. Um, but yeah. and th again, this is why I'm so excited because to really even dive into this more because we barely even scratched the surface. Yeah, of the we, we got the we got like two minutes into we got like two percent into this. Yeah. This this tournament is sick. Like part of me like wishes we had a full summer of just like talking and thinking about this contest because I do think I don't know. I could even see it somehow surpassing best ball mania is like the well, most what interesting I, thing to discuss. My idea was you make it you 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 add an even gnarlier wrinkle to it, which is that you kind of do the reverse of what they did with Best Ball Mania, where most of the prize money is in the weekly winners, but you add a million dollars or five hundred thousand to disperse and have it be a best ball mania, you know, have it be yeah. a season long tournament as well. Where it where layer it that on top ways. as well. Yeah, that because that is almost the perfect blend of you know needing to pick the right players, get the commutate like it just that that seems basically like an amazing. If you took I agree. So instead of having the regular season prizes as is, where it's like five hundred thousand or whatever, you distribute that over the what first fourteen weeks, even or whatever. Yes. Yeah. And then weekly payouts for that, but then all of that. So you would have people optimizing for that yes. while still gunning for the better EV top prize week seventeen. That would be that, that would be sweet. the true melding of the game formats. Yeah, I, I love that idea. Or just like All a right. higher higher stakes, lower entry version of this would also be sweet. Like if you could do like a thousand person I, version that, of they this, will, they will they will do that. Uh, that yeah, yeah, mark mark my words, that's going to be coming. Yeah. I don't know, but hundred percent that'll happen. I would think that has to be coming. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, Peach, we wrap wrap this. Uh, up? yeah, land the, land the plane. You're the host, but I'm just the one gently nudging you to land it. <laughs> okay, oh, I forgot who was the host at this point. Um, yeah. Uh, let, let's see. I got nothing else uh, going on this week. I'll be back next week for, for ADP chasing. I think we have... Oh, yeah. I do want to um, note this. Next week, Matt Harmon of Reception Perception and Yahoo is going to be joining us on ADP chasing. That'll be really cool. Um, never talked to him. He's, he obviously does really interesting wide receiver charting stuff that I think adds an extra element to some of the wide receiver analysis. So it'll be really cool to have him on the show and, and break down some of the mid-range and late-round late, late wide receiver targets. So... Wanted to note that uh, big show next week, Davis. What do you uh, what do you have got going on this week? Uh, I'm just getting back from vacation, so I don't know. I know I got a lot of work to do this week, but I haven't. <laughs> uh, I haven't really started structuring what's happening in my work week. So, do you uh, want to I'll, address I'll it. Uh, Cam Akers can't be this year's Josh Jacobs gate? Uh, yeah, it should go viral. I'll just always say the opposite of whatever Dave just said. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there isn't actually much more to it's, it. So it, literally, Dave could be like, "Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback of all time," and I'll be like, "Dude, he doesn't even have as many Super Bowls as Tom Brady. Like, it just doesn't matter." <laughs> um, Pete, what, yes. uh, what do you got going on? I, I just streamed my uh, 75th uh, Best Ball Mania draft over on my channel, and uh, Easy from the Deposit Kingdom hopped on and co-piloted with his very cool uh, correlations spreadsheet. So check that out. Uh, no shows tomorrow. No sh no ship chasing on Wednesday. Everybody is out. So this is your flagship ship chasing show this week. And then Wednesday, because Millionaire Maker Karain uh, is out, I'm having Hilo from One Week Season. Uh, fill his spot, and then Sean will be drafting with me in the second slot uh, on Wednesday. So those are uh, those are my main things. Beautiful, awesome, great. Oh, and we great are we are doing we are doing uh, we are doing a swole cast this week. So uh, be be there for be there for that on Wednesday. Drafting, All right? Drafting 
all summer long, baby. All awesome. summer long. Um, all right. I will do, I'll do it too, because for, to help plug Sam, make sure you guys are following uh, Sam on Twitter. His link is down below. Sam has been doing an awesome job on ADP chasing. Appreciate all your work. You know, we do a lot of shows around here with like zero prep work. And so just having one person make some charts <laughs> for a show just feels like it's, you know, production through the roof. So thank you, Sam. Appreciate that, Pete. Uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll be here for the rest of the summer. It's only, it's only July 3rd. We got another, uh, eight or nine ADP chases got, to go. You've got, uh, roughly six, I think it's 68 days left to get all your teams drafted. I am, uh, I've, I've started doing slow drafts because I am, I'm Ooh. not going to get, I'm not going to get all the way there. So I've started doing slows. Um, get to, let get us know. kids. Let us know in the comments too, because opinions are all over the board on this week. Uh, maybe, maybe something like, give us like the top two things you guys are prioritizing in this contest in the comments, as far as like the structure, the divisional stuff, player archetypes, all that different stuff. I, I'm curious where everyone falls because it does really seem like everyone's all over the map on this. All right. Yeah. I'm going to power this down. Thank you for hanging out with us on the third. Thank you to Sam, to Davis, to the chat. Thank you to Underdog for giving us a fun new contest to chew on. Hope you guys all have a wonderful 4th of July. We will see you guys back next week on this channel. Next show will be ADP Chasing with Matt Harmon a week from today. We'll see you guys then.